Cyber 24 is presented by our friends at Valcom. Valcom is a Utah-based IT solutions and services provider with a drive for getting IT right. From ironclad security to computing and beyond, Valcom's 35 plus years of experience means they have the experience and the expertise to help your business from the desktop to the data center. Please check them out at vlcm.com. That's vlcm.com. And welcome to the Cyber24 podcast, the weekly pod dedicated to helping business and governmental leaders like yourselves better understand the often intimidating topic of cybersecurity so you can make better decisions for your organization. I'm Marty Carpenter of 24.9. I work in strategic communication, public affairs, and government relations. And this week, we're looking at cybersecurity trends for 2022 with our guest expert, Greg Johnson of WebCheck Security. All right, welcome to the Cyber24 podcast and welcome back in Greg Johnson from WebCheck Security. Greg, thanks again for taking some time to be on the show. Howdy, howdy. It's uh, great to be here again, Marty, as always. I love being a friend of the pod. Yeah, we love to welcome in friends of the pod and we're always glad to have you with us. You know, Greg, it felt like 2019 kind of bled into 2020, which kind of bled into 2021. (laughs) Like it's sort of this two, three year period now where you go, wait, what year? was that and what was going on with that and a real demarcation of time is sort of when the pandemic began it would be nice to say when the pandemic happened but is it still sort of happening uh it, it's it's sort of i don't know it makes my perception of time a little bit weird but we want to talk today with you about cyber trends to watch in 2022 and i bring up the fact that those years kind of blended together because there was like a year when cybersecurity was really focused on ransomware. That was the big trend. There was a lot of ransomware happening. And then then we hit this pandemic and so many people had to shuffle to remote work that it became an even bigger deal, but everything kind of got swallowed up in the news of the pandemic for a year there. And so I, I guess as we look now to 2022 with the pandemic still kind of going on, what are the trends we're going to see in cybersecurity? Is it does much of it have to do with remote work because people are sort of going to be remote ongoing? Or uh, anyway, I just want to know what do you have on your radar that said that you say this is something to really look for in 2022 when it comes to cybersecurity? Well, this is a fun conversation to get into, Marty, and I, I think I'm going to approach this from a couple of perspectives. One one is reflecting back on, um, we talked about this in a previous pipeline or previous podcast, but the colonial pipeline attack was through a VPN. And so I I think there's some implications there for people working from home and logging in remotely. So we'll talk about that. I also want to talk about uh, the human element and how that um, is going to maintain its, uh, uh, you know, nasty head out there. It's it's going to be a problem going forward. And, and then and, and then kind of the other aspect, Marty, is I asked uh, uh, some of our engineers at WebCheck Security, as you know, we're a, a, a world-class penetration testing organization. So I have some really talented uh, engineers that like to rip into things. And, and I asked them and some of our CISOs uh, that we lease out, what, what do you think we're going to see? And uh, so there are three critical areas that, that we're probably going to see some technical trends in as well. And so... I'll, I'll approach it from that perspective. Does that sound good? Yeah, yeah, that's great. First, just uh, empathizing. Boy, these last two, three years have just kind of blended together. I, many of your listeners may know I, 
I sing with the the Tabernacle Choir on Temple Square, and they were in hiatus for about a year and a half. And then they came back, uh, did a Christmas concert, which only 4,000 people attended, and it's going to be broadcast on PBS next year. And then uh, during the holidays, they sent us an email saying, uh, we're the ice cracked a little here. So we're we're back on hiatus through the month of January. Crazy. And we're just, just waiting crazy. to see when we can go back. I, I think this uh, Omicron variant will subside. And I've had it and everybody I know has had it. And uh, hopefully this thing will go away, Marty, for better, or for worse. Um, but here's what we're looking at. So I, I wanted to cite some uh, interesting stats from last year's Verizon report. As you know, every time, every year they come out with this fascinating data breach report. And <clears throat> the reality is 85% of the data breaches uh, still involve a hu- human element. It's not real smart people deconstructing things. It's just you and I clicking on dumb stuff and downloading malware or inviting somebody in or yielding credentials. So that leads to this next stat, which is 61% of the breaches involved. And <clears throat> when Verizon gets these stats, um, you know, they, they, they do a pretty significant sampling, uh, like N equals 4,518, or the next one, N equals 10,027. Uh, but 61% of those breaches involved credentials which means that somebody's uh, password and maybe even their multi-factor uh, authentication uh, was, was, was stolen and they were able to get in, right? <laughs> so um, that means we were fished, right? And we were social engineered. And then 13% of all non-DOS, meaning the uh, distrib- uh, denial of service incidents involved ransomware. And again, typically ransomware is involved with those number one and two um, human element and yielded credentials. That's how <laughs> that's how the uh, the bad actors get in. Only three percent of the breaches involved uh, the exploitation of actual weaknesses and and vulnerabilities. So, what does that tell you about what we're going to see in twenty twenty two? Yeah, there's still going to be a lot of human elements. There's a lot large part of it. Yeah. So, you know, my point here, Marty, is that um, the biggest weakness remains you and me and, uh, um, you know, and our employees. I, I think that um, cyber awareness and training is going to be huge, uh, that you can't just do a once a year. You should probably engage uh, with an organization that can help you to track and track and make metrics, you know, for for training and 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 see how your employees are coming along, that they're not just clicking on bad stuff. Um, one of our partners, uh, uh, Wasatch Security Awareness, they they have a, a, a an LMS, a learning management system, where they can go in and train organizations, and and then they they track sort uh, of certificates and they kind of gamify it for an organization. And those are the kinds of things that I think are going to be important here in 2022 to, to, uh, to reduce those human element breaches. Um, the other thing that I wanted to talk about Marty is we, so we asked our engineers and, uh, you know, what are you going to see? And one of our engineers had uh, some really interesting insight, this whole log four J, uh, vulnerability that you've heard of in the news, it may or may not as be as big as it's been reported to be, but the reason it was so broad based is that much like the solar winds Orion attack that we 
heard of. <clears throat> it affects thousands or hundreds of thousands of organizations. And why is that? Well, it's because Log4j was taken from a piece of open source code. And that code is used by companies like Atlassian, Amazon, Microsoft Azure, Cisco, Commvault, ESRI, <laughs> Exact, Fortinet, JetBrains, Nelson, Nutanix, OpenMRS, Oracle, Red Hat, Splunk, um, VMware. There's there's so many. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty well long known list. organizations. <laughs> it, it it is really, and that's just the tip of the iceberg, and that's why it was so. You know, it's not hard to to patch that once the patch came out, but the the problem is, is it affects so many things, right? Um, so as long as an organization's savvy and they have, you know, patching strategy, uh, then it uh, it can be okay. But my, my engineer said this appears to be more of a marathon instead of a sprint. Uh, we're potentially going to see variations of Log4j. Um, and he, he says, I wouldn't be surprised to continue to see more crypto and ransomware attacks um, along with that. The more the lockdown continues, the more people have time on their hands to think of new attack veg, uh, vectors. And um, uh, there are some financial pundits predicting recession in this next year. It will be interesting to see how uh, cyber actors play off that as well. So that yeah. was just one of our engineers' opinions. David Jensen is a very good uh, pen tester in our organization. Um, but I think you'll see uh, bad actors trying to find more open source code uh, like this with Apache and, and trying to take advantage of that. You've all seen the headlines. Every 39 seconds, there's a new attempted cyber attack in the US. As the threat landscape becomes more complex, the need for security operations is greater than ever before. It's time to put experts in your corner. For something as important as your organization's security, having a named engineer and analyst paired with you is critical. Arctic Wolf is a leader in security operations, utilizing a cloud-native security analytics platform to deliver security operations as a concierge service. Arctic Wolf's Security Operations Center as a service is always on guard with security experts monitoring your environment 24-7 don't become the next headline. Learn more about Arctic Wolf's redefined cybersecurity approach at vlcmtech.com slash arctic dash wolf. That's vlcmtech.com slash a-r-c-t-i-c dash w-o-l-f. Using Microsoft 365 for your business productivity tools certainly has many advantages. Easy, user-friendly accessibility from anywhere at any time, simplified email access, and reduced costs of business operations and management. However, the migration and use of Microsoft 365 isn't without security risks. Barracuda Essentials provides the industry's most comprehensive security and data protection solution for Microsoft 365. With Barracuda, you can stop spam, viruses, prevent data loss, and turn employees into a line of defense against phishing attacks. For peace of mind, learn more about Barracuda Essentials for Microsoft 365 at vlcmtech.com. That's vlcmtech.com. How are uh, nation states, how are foreign countries 
<laughs> going to impact cybersecurity as they have. You know, they've yep. been in some of the biggest breaches, and they continue to be antagonists in this. Um, <laughs> how are are we going to see them continue to play into this in the coming year? Well, nation state attacks picked up in in twenty twenty one. And, and that's not going to stop anytime soon. We already are seeing the Russians hanging constantly the Ukrainian power grid and, and other infrastructure items as they prepare potentially to invade the Ukraine. We hope that doesn't happen. But boy, what you don't hear in the news is how active the Russians are, not only with Ukrainians, but with us. Now, it just so happens <clears throat> that I have uh, one of my engineers, Brad, uh, is in the military. So he has security clearances, and he has access to information that you and I don't. And uh, he's saying, you know, I predict an increase in industrial espionage through cyber means, you know. And I'm thinking, yeah, as if there isn't a ton of that already. (laughs) Um, But R&D is expensive. Um, And, you know, China has uh, a plan that's been documented. It's called the 2025 Made in China plan. And they basically want to dominate 10 verticals uh, with that plan. Um, but, uh, with, you know, with so many uh, vulnerable networks and uh, with the aforementioned social engineering capabilities that, that we present out there, um, you know, it's much cheaper to steal the information than to replicate it and build it from ground zero. So, you know, although there may be breakthroughs, according to Brad, in the AI field, that will be used for both offensive and defensive warfare, <laughs> you know, not just self-driving cars, but we're going to continue to see the cyber monitoring and prevention technology in, improve. Um, <clears throat> but most of them are going to be, most of these um, espionage events are going to be backed or perpetrated by nation states. Um, so China and Russia and Iran and even North Korea and, uh, you know, they'll continue to improve their vulnerability detection. And, you know, what, what you don't hear, Marty, uh, and I hear this because we have some contractors that work with us that worked with the NSA, and they did some actual offensive stuff, <laughs> meaning they would lob grenades, uh, yeah. you know, cyber grenades over the wall. So it's, it's a thing on both sides. You're going to see a lot more of that. Um, and, That's actually uh, good to hear you know, because it feels like we always get attacked. You know, we're always saying, "Well, the Russians right. are coming after us, the Chinese." Uh, let's get it. Let's go on the yep. offensive, right? So, uh, I think people assume that we are, but every now and then, it's good to know we're not just standing around taking punches; <laughs> we're throwing them as well. Yeah. Well, you'll remember when several years ago some uh, Iranian um, centrifuges went down, and they couldn't uh, continue their nuclear program. Well. That was because uh, <laughs> some allies uh, attacked yeah. them <laughs> with uh, cyber means. So yeah. you're going to see a lot more of that. And, yeah. uh, uh, you know, small business needs to be concerned because uh, there are a lot of small businesses in the Department Department of Defense supply chain, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, in our supply chain in general. And it, it's not just... Uh, the Department of Defense, but it's if you have a widget and it's a cool widget and you've got a patent on it, China wants it, <laughs> right? They yeah. want to inject it into their system. So everybody is uh, is is vulnerable. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about how 
mobile will be a factor or what what we'll see as far as you know our smartphones our iPads things like that and I, I was thinking about this the other day um, Greg I have you ever gone on your phone I don't know if you're an iPhone user I'm an iPhone guy but if you I, I am an iPhone user yeah so if you you know they've they've started this thing uh, with a couple updates ago where like all of your app library is sort of on the far right page and you can have apps that are on your phone but aren't necessarily on your home screen and you know, they're the kind that pop up and you use them when you think about it. But it's amazing to me sometimes to think I have apps on there that I I just didn't have on my radar anymore. And they're simple things like, you know, the app that runs the sprinkler system, not using that very much in January. <laughs> you know, the right. um, uh, you can go... I've got one of those, by the way. <laughs> yeah, and they're great, right? And then you've got a few on here where it's like, oh, you know, how many different uh, fast food or casual dining places do I have an app where I can order... Because I don't want to go into the restaurant, I can just order it and pick it up, or pick it up through the drive-through, and, and you sort of forget about it. So I, I just makes me think like mobile's so much a part of what we do, and it's so much a part of our life. But also, there are apps that we have that we don't use on a regular or you know even semi-regular basis. Um, I just wonder what we see or what you see ahead in in mobile and mobile apps for the next year. It reminds me, my daughter said, "Dad, your phone's a mess. Can can I show you how to organize these?" And I'm, <laughs> I'm like, "Sure." And it's easy. Yeah. You just hold it down, and you start tapping them on top yeah. of one another, and it creates these cool folders. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I've, my phone's a mess. Everybody's phone is a mess. We've got all <laughs> these apps out there. One of our, uh, um, our, in fact, our senior VP of engineering and testing, Kurt Jepson, he, he's a specialist in web app testing, both iOS and Android. And his insight was that uh, that mobile app functionality one has evolved, and you know both useful and non-useful apps proliferate. <laughs> the problem with non-useful apps is, you know, it it, it may present a security vulnerability. So mm-hmm. anyway, um, you know, and you think of what you have: travel apps, you know, multiple financial, social, social media, utility, and and other apps, um, and. Uh, Clients are producing these apps at, at a record pace. And <clears throat> what Kurt said is I've been doing more research lately into what he calls user land insecurities on mobile devices and how they can be used to steal two-factor credentials. Uh, an attacker can do a great job of stealing credentials and keys from there, such as the, the iOS keychain. Well, you you get the keys to that kingdom and, you know, you open up the... Sure a big kingdom. Um, usually after a restart, all tracks of what they stole are wiped away as well. I see an increase in focused attacks against mobile security by nation state level attackers. So even Kurt says that as well, you're going to have, you know, Russia and China getting involved more at the mobile level or high end hacking groups. And I believe it will lead to an increase in thefts of resources like bitcoins and an increase in uh, complete compromise of targeted companies that depend on two-factor authentication and security for, for access. So, you know, at WebCheck Security, we're kind of raising the red flag and saying, look, if you're a mobile app developer, you really need to have that been tested as well. Yeah, uh, we, ha- we have a lot of clients that do it, and we find stuff uh, every year, every time. And, uh, and, and so it's important that the organizations, that the developers of these apps, that they budget time and and some resources to have a couple of different tests a year uh, otherwise our 
vulnerabilities in an industry is going to continue to climb and, and, and leave us vulnerable through those those phones. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, we've got just a couple of minutes left here uh, with you, Greg, and then we'll let you get back to your money-making ventures. <laughs> not just not just time on the pod, but you know, <laughs> any any final thoughts as we sort of, well, it feels weird to say turn the page into 2022 because we're already a couple of weeks in. We're almost the end of January. January is going by so much faster this year than it usually does, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just me. But uh, any final thoughts on you know putting 2021 behind us and, and moving into 2022 when it comes to cyber risk? Old Lang Syne, right? The words come to mind. <laughs> Should old acquaintance be forgot, right? Let's uh, Let's start anew this year. Maybe it's time to kind of forget the, the cyber practices and controls that you're struggling with. Maybe start from ground zero and factor in the actual dollar value of your cyber risk. A lot of organizations don't do that, where they sit down and, and think about operationally and reputationally and um, uh, in, in you know repair impact, what it would cost with a cyber event, and then use that data to budget for um, cyber policies and controls and things that will, that will help the organization build it from the ground up, forget the mistakes you've made in the past, um, assign a dollar value to it, lobby for the budget, uh, business owners provision that budget. It's important. Gartner says you ought to be spending at least uh, 6 to 7% of your entire IT spend, and that's if you don't have technical debt, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, old Lang Syne, forget the bad stuff that happened and move forward um, with a new vision. Great. And if uh, any of our listeners want to track you down at WebCheck Security, how do they get in touch with you? Well, thanks, Marty. That's easy. Just uh, get in touch at WebCheckSecurity.com and one of our <laughs> experts will respond to that. Or they can go to our website, WebCheckSecurity.com. We have a lot of resources there. We can schedule a time to run them through the Cyber Risk Monetizer um, there's, uh, the speaking on business, uh, cast that KSL does. We've got that, uh, soundbite there that talks about the industry in general and cybersecurity, as well as lots of blog articles and, and great podcasts like, like this. Well, we're always... uh, so we'd, we'd love to, to hear from you and, uh, get in touch at webcheckSecurity.com. Well, we're always glad to have you as part of the show. Thanks so much for taking some time and lending us some of your expertise. My pleasure. It's always great to be here. As we wrap up for this episode, I want to thank our sponsors at Valcom. At Valcom, you get much more than a dedicated IT retailer. They become an extension of your IT team. So whether you're a startup or an enterprise, Valcom has the technical sales and engineering expertise to make your business more effective and more productive. Check them out, vlcm.com. That's vlcm.com. Special thanks as well to our supporting partners, the Utah Division of Technology Services, the Kempsey Gardner Policy Institute at the University of Utah, the Utah Attorney General's Office, the Utah Department of Public Safety, and of course, our friends at Secivon. You can follow us on Twitter at Cyber24 underscore, or you can follow us on Facebook as well. Feel free to hit us up in either place. Let us know what you think of the show, or even if you have a topic you'd like us to discuss on a future episode. You can also rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. We love those five-star ratings. They make a big difference for us and our audience. Thanks, everyone. Stay safe online. <laughs>